Welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. This week is another jam-packed, loaded edition of college basketball. We now officially have March Madness in front of us with Selection Sunday in the rear view. Uh, So I've got an assortment of guests going to join me this week to help me break down each of the regions. Uh, So I'm looking forward to my conversations with each of the guests this week. Uh, We're going to go into depth with did the selection committee get the last few teams in, correct? What about the first four teams out? Should they have gotten in? And then we'll go into each of the regions and talk the top seeds, favorites, dark horses, any potential upsets that we think could go down, and some players to watch as well as our picks. As you are filling out your bracket, we'll try and give you some tidbits and tricks to help you fill out the winning bracket. Uh, Without further ado, let's get started. All right, we're going to start things off first with the West region. And here to help me break down the West is Jonathan. Jonathan, how are we doing? Doing well tonight, Ryan. How are you? Doing swell. So... First thing first, before we get into the region breakdown, I got to ask your opinions on this one question and pertains to the selection committee. Do you feel they got the last four teams in, first four teams out right? Well, every year there's teams, the teams that don't get in are going to be mad that they didn't get in. And of course, the teams that did get in are going to be happy, but I don't have a problem with it. Um, Michigan State was playing better down the stretch. UCLA is okay. Um, and then Wichita State, they they were the one seed in their conference, and Drake had a really nice record, bit of a surprise. And then going off the other teams, they kind of got fledged off, like Louisville. They just they didn't play that many games. So I yeah. I didn't I didn't have a problem with the last four that got in. I, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I did notice the trend uh, was definitely that COVID passes kind of cost the bubble teams, uh, at least to some degree in the end. A team like Louisville that was listed as the first team out, they only played 20 games. If they had gotten maybe five more games in, maybe one of those is an upset win over a ranked team and that gets them in. Or maybe if they had just not lost to Duke in the ACC tournament, Maybe they get in. Who knows? Um, but other teams like St. Louis was a first four team out. They only played about 20 games as well. Similar reason. They just didn't have the same amount of opportunities to build their resume. And they weren't able to capitalize enough on the opportunities they did have. And same, same could be said for teams like Xavier and SMU. Um, SMU played a whopping 16 games and they were in the bubble discussion up until the, what felt like the last day, even though they got bounced right away in their conference tournament. Uh, but let's get into it with the West region. I think the favorites are pretty clear cut. So I'll start with one of them. 
that being the top-seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs. They come in to this region undefeated 26-0 with, I think we can both agree, is the best starting five in the country. And I think that this is also the easiest region, in my opinion. And I also think the Zags have quite literally the easiest path of any of the four one seats. Um, that being said, they, they also have wins over the two, three and four seeds in their region. That being Iowa, Kansas and Virginia respectively. Um, so it Gonzaga looks to be just a clear cut number one favorite, but I think the second favorite is also pretty clear cut. And that's the second seeded Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, would you care to agree with that assessment, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I would say that I was probably the second favorite in the bracket. Cause I look across the board, I see a Virginia team, which is technically the defending national champion, but I don't really think anyone trusts them and they have their own issues. And the fact that they're, I don't even think they're traveling until Friday and they're playing on Saturday or something like that. And then a Kansas team that also has COVID. So these are two teams that no one really knows what to expect. And Virginia to begin with, I don't think is, you know, I, I don't think they're anything special. Kansas has some good talent, but I always been the better team. They're, they're playing good um, right now. They're playing, they played very well down the stretch to the end of the year. Um, so yeah, I would say that they're the second favorite in the in the group. Yep, the Hawkeyes are are led by Player of the Year favorite Luca Garza, who's just been sensational for them. Uh, they've been they've just been heavily tested throughout the year, and that's evidenced by their eight and five record versus ranked teams. I mean, almost half of their games have been played against ranked teams. That's just incredible to think about it. But that's just that's a credit to how stacked the big 10 was at the top in terms of their top six or or seven teams uh in in that league uh but the problem is they're in the region with gonzaga and they did not perform well in their matchup with gonzaga earlier this year however given the, the 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 issues with kansas and uh i'm blanking here uh virginia Thank you. Uh, that would be, I mean, I think it's just so, it's so tough to not have Gonzaga and Iowa going to the elite eight, uh, but we'll get more into that a little bit later in this region breakdown. Let's move on to some dark horses that we think could make some runs here, do some damage in the West region. Jonathan, I'll start with you. Who's your dark horse or dark horses to make a bit of a, a run here? I will say my dark horse, I'll, I'll give you two. My first one is going to be Ohio, the 13 seed. They're playing the four seed Virginia. Aforementioned, they have their own issues. Um, if they can upset Virginia, which, which is a team that certainly has been upset before in the first round, as we know, um, they would play the winner of Creighton, UC Santa Barbara, which I don't think Creighton or UC Santa Barbara really scares anyone. Um, I think 
Creighton isn't really that good. They they just lost to Georgetown by like thirty in the Big East <sighs> Championship. Yeah, they got assaulted. So I like Ohio. They're they're not going to be Gonzaga if they go to the Sweet Sixteen. But don't be surprised if you know there's there's always a, a high seed that that makes a little Cinderella run. Uh, don't be surprised about Ohio. And then the second team I'm going to say kind of hurts me to say it, but I'm going to go with Oregon potentially to make a run here. Um, I did read that Oregon was hurt all season um, long, but they got healthy at the end. And I'm reading here uh, prior to losing to Oregon state in the PAC 12, the ducks had won 11 of their previous 12. Yeah. This is a team that uh, just a couple years ago, I believe they made a final four run They're They tend to overachieve a bit in the tournament. They're like a, there's this, these teams that overachieve in the tournament, like a Syracuse. Um, they just, you know, Wisconsin, they always feel like they, they do better than they should um, in the tournament. And Iowa struggles uh, with size. And I think Oregon has some good size. Iowa, Luka Garza plays their five, but he's not that good at center. He's more of a stretch four. So if you give Iowa some trouble with size, and Oregon has that. They could definitely get over Iowa potentially in the second round, which I would then – they'd probably be matched up with Kansas, which, again, like I said about Virginia, they have their own problems. So I think if any high seed was to make a run to the Elite Eight, I would take uh, the seven-seeded Oregon for a potential, you know, upset Cinderella story. Yeah, I mean, I like both of those. Um, my dark horse is going to be the – winner of the first four matchup, whoever that may be, whether it's Wichita State or Drake. Uh, the first four is always good to produce one team that wins multiple games in the tournament and is dangerous to be a Sweet 16 threat. And this year, I think that team will come out of the West region from that, that matchup, whether it's Wichita State or Drake. Uh, I just I don't trust USC. I I just I think they're a less than stellar, just unintimidating six seed that is just that there's just a potential there for momentum from the first four to carry over to that six eleven matchup. So I definitely would like uh, let's I'll I'll say Drake wins it. So I I like Drake to to move to beat USC and then. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Kansas. Now the, the appealing game, the matchup would be for Wichita state to, to win and make it to the second round and face Kansas. That would be an in-state affair and that would be a very good one. But regardless of who it is, I do like that first four team when that first four winner to not only pull the upset in the six 11 matchup, but I think they could take down Kansas as well, given Kansas's is- issues that you've spoken to. Yeah, and you uh, mentioned that they, you think they might make the Sweet 16. If it is Drake, do you know uh, what state Drake is in? They are also in <laughs> Kansas, I believe. No, they are in Iowa. Oh. <laughs> oh. So this could this if that would be a potential another in-state rivalry you could have. Uh, wow. In um, the Sweet 16. So yeah, sleep on those. Ooh, I, I, that's another spicy one that I, I might have to look forward to. Um, but I, that's really the only dark horse that I see here. 
Uh, I'm not really with you on the Ohio one, although Virginia is certainly um, ver- definitely vulnerable. I don't think that Ohio has a Sweet 16 run in them, but I think we can a- agree to disagree. But other otherwise, I, I just don't see I, I don't see another sort of middle middle seeded team or double digit seed that's that's got a a Sweet 16 run in them. But uh, let's go and continue that thought with our potential upsets for this region. Uh, you've mentioned Ohio over Virginia. Are there any other upsets that you have uh, in this region, Jonathan? Uh, I think USCB can beat Creighton. Those are your, you know, your trendy 5, 12, 4, 13 upsets. You normally have, you know, the, the 5, 12 is the the typical i think it's like 50 percent of like the last like 10 years the 12 seed has beat the five seed and then the 413 i feel like you normally have like maybe one 13 that knocks off a four so those are your traditional upsets but i really don't see gonzaga um, is not going to lose i don't see iowa losing i don't see kansas losing i think that it's for the top seeds i think it's going to be chalk uh, at least in the first round. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I actually agree with you. And I, I hate to agree with you for the sake of debate, but in this region, I, the only upset that I'm seeing here is the first four, the 11 over the six. And you, I, yeah. I guess if, if you call nine over an eight an upset, but I think most basketball people or bracket minded people will say an eight, nine is a, is a coin flip. It's not really an upset in the sense of the word. And you said it, you, you view it as like the easiest bracket to pick, which I see easy as synonymous with chalk. Exactly. So I, I, my, my second closest upset in this bracket in this region is nine over eight. So I'm not, I see a lot of chalk in this region. The only chaos that I really see is whatever chaos the first four team can wreck. Um, but let's move on to players to watch. Uh, we've kind of talked about Luca Garza a little bit. Uh, and Gonzaga's starting five. I mean, whether it's Jalen Suggs, Killian Tilly, you name it, that team has just been outstanding. But are there any other players that sh- people should be on the watch for in this region? Well, if you're watching Iowa, I would watch Joe Wieskamp. He's a junior forward. Uh, he plays the three or the four for Iowa. And he did injure his ankle against Wisconsin in the last game of the regular season, but he did play in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, he played okay, but he's a little hobbled. But when this guy gets hot, he is a machine. He shot 49% this year from three. The I believe he was the number one player in division one, like minimum 50 attempts or something like that. The best hmm. shooter in the whole division one. He's an absolute dead eye. Um, Luca Garza tends to struggle. I've noticed against better teams. So Luca Garza should feast, you know, on the lower competition of um, grand Canyon in the opening game. But if they get up against a better team, Garza tends to struggle. And that's when Wies camp's going to have to step up. And then, cause I'm a big Ohio guy. Uh, I'm just going to say Jason Preston. Um, he averaged 16, 7, and 7 a game in college, which is 
NBA style numbers. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, it's it's rare, I think, that you see a high rebound and assist player in college. Um, so if Ohio, if my uh, Ohio Bobcats, I think they're called Bobcats, they are, are going to make a run. Don't sleep on Jason Preston. I like it. I like it. For me, I think the players to watch, and you've talked about this team a little bit already, are from the Oregon Ducks. Uh, I've got a duo. You've got Chris Duarte and Eugene Omaruyi, uh, the so guard and forwards, respectively, for the Ducks. These two pace a starting five that all averaged over 10 points a game and shoot at very efficient clips from both the field and from three-point range. If So in my mind, if anyone is going to stop a potential Gonzaga-Iowa rematch taking place in the Elite Eight, I think it's going to be Oregon, and I think it's going to be behind Duarte and Eugene having great days. They're both averaging over 15 points a game, but I, if they are going to spring that upset over Iowa in the second round, those two are going to have to spearhead that upset bid. So let's move on to double-digit seeds that we think can make a Sweet 16 run. Uh, the problem with that is I don't think we re there really are a lot in this region as we were harping on uh, talking about dark horses. For me, the only double-digit seed that I think has a chance of making the Sweet 16 is that first four. Uh, and Jonathan, do you think any other team besides Ohio has a chance here? I really don't. I mean, maybe UC Santa Barbara, if Ohio and UC Santa Barbara were in, then that would guarantee you had a high seed in the Sweet 16. Yep. But no, I, I think you're right that this bracket is pretty, pretty chalk. You know, there's not that. These are all lower seeds that I wouldn't say they're like big names. Like you have Santa Barbara as your 12 seed, Wichita or Drake as your um 11 seed and vcu is your 10 seed these aren't no power five schools as as high seeds mm -hmm. which i think limits um their ceiling because they don't have as much you know talent pure talent as the power five higher seed schools might uh, have yeah uh, and they just don't have that sort of tournament success either they they may get there winning multiple auto bids in recent years but they don't produce in that first weekend. Maybe they're good for one upset, but usually not multiple. Uh, so I, 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 I got to agree. Uh, but let's, so let's get into our picks for this region, our elite eight picks. I think we're going to be in solid agreement that it is going to come down to Gonzaga and Iowa. Uh, I have the Zags taking out Iowa and advancing to the final four. Would you concur? I would. Um, the only way I can see Iowa maybe beating Gonzaga is if they get really hot from three. But they played earlier this year, as you mentioned. Gonzaga really, it was, Iowa was down 20 at one point, like in the first half, the early second half. They made a little run towards the end that made this game score a little bit closer uh, than it really was. Um, but Gonzaga, they're, they're a wagon. They're a wagon. Yep. 
So we got Gonzaga over Iowa all around. Uh, but feel free. Would you like to give out the rest of your Elite Eight picks before you get into your final four? Um, for the other brackets? Yes, sir. Okay. I have Purdue, Ohio State, Illinois, West Virginia, Texas, and Florida State. Okay. Now, who do you have joining Gonzaga in your final four? I have, obviously, Gonzaga, as you mentioned. I have Ohio State, Illinois, and Texas. Ooh, okay. All right. I like where you're going with this. Uh, I'm going to save my final four picks for the end. So let's hear who you've got going to the national championship and who you've got taking it all. Okay. Uh, as of right now, this may change oh. as, as things develop. <laughs> Don't take this. <laughs> as things develop, this may change. Okay. I have until Friday at noon to get in my, get in my bracket. The classic subject to change. I Caveat. am going, as of right now, I am going Gonzaga this motherfucker. versus Illinois. And I am going with Illinois, however, to win the national championship game. They are an absolute wagon. Ayo Desumo, however you pronounce his last name, is very good. They got shooting around him. And their centers, I just think, uh, Koki Cokeburn, and then their backup too, who's a very qual- qualified backup center, is just it's just too much at the college level having a guy that big. Um, for crying out loud, a few years ago, Taco Fall almost beat Zion Williamson and Duke in the tournament, and Taco <laughs> Fall is not like the big guy in college. It it makes such a huge difference, and Illinois has two of the best. So I am going Illinois uh, over Gonzaga to win the national championship. Huh. Okay. So you seem to be on the, would you say that you think Gonzaga's the pressure is just gonna, of an undefeated season is just going to be too much for them or is I it do, more of I, Illinois? Uh, it's a, it, the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, I do think Gonzaga being undefeated um, could potentially hurt them. Although this is such a strange year that it probably is the year that a team goes undefeated for the first time, I think, from since 1976 and wins the championship. But I think they might have been better off losing. They were down a decent margin to BYU in their conference tournament in the championship. They, like, it's crazy as it sounds, they might have been better off losing to BYU in that championship game just to eliminate the pressure of the perfect season. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I I'm not saying Gonzaga is going is incapable of running the gauntlet and going undefeated, but I think at some point once they get to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, that pressure of an undefeated season is just going to amount to to something that these kids have never faced before. And Gonzaga does not have a a history of success in terms of going all the way and finishing the job. And so I just, between their recent tournament history and the pressure of an undefeated season, I know this is arguably the most talented Gonzaga team 
uh, in recent memory, if not ever. I, I just, I'm not sure if I can, if I can take Gonzaga all the way and win it, but I will reveal that at the end of the show. Uh, any final thoughts on the West region and the bracket as a whole, Jonathan? Um, no, I mean, I think that this, I'm looking at, at the other regions and I think that you're, you're right that this region has the most chalk. Um, I'm sure that as saying this now, we'll have Missouri versus Eastern Washington in the Elite Eight. Please going God, off, no. going off that. I swear to God, if if like, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are going to pick Gonzaga to go very far in this tournament and probably to win it all. But if if they lose in like the second round, which is which is not unheard of for a, a one seeded Gonzaga team to do, man, that would suck i'd agree i don't need my bracket being torn to shreds on the first weekend can i can i at least get through the first weekend for one time with a somewhat intact bracket that i haven't already just given up hope on i feel like it's been way too long give me hope for one year please god please no all right tournament's not gonna tournament's not gonna let you well, obviously it never does it's it's cruel the punishment is unusual you, it's just it's always like that you 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 have these hopes and dreams just like all the players do when they come in just to have them all just crushed inevitably and it always comes in the first weekend and i hate it i hate it but all right jonathan i appreciate you hopping on for the west region bracket breakdown uh thank you for joining thank you and joining me now for the south region breakdown back from some more college b-ball content little mike mike how we doing we are doing fantastic ron how are you tonight doing doing all right doing doing well March Madness is finally upon us, and I've been waiting for this for now two years. The the craving has gotten to a point where it just it cannot be satisfied, it cannot be quenched until it can actually be quenched. So I'm itching, itching to get going with this thing. Uh, let's start first. Question I've been asking ev- everyone so far and going to ask everyone is, in your opinion, did the selection committee get the last four teams in first four teams out correct well uh my answer to that is simple no i i don't think that they got all of them correct um when you look at the last four in drake i think definitely deserved to be in uh they did have the strength of schedule from the beginning of the year the hot start um you know the cold run down the stretch definitely affected their status but i think their overall body of work showed that they should be in um, Wichita State, I also think, deserved to get in. I think they had a strong enough season. Where I think they got it wrong and screwed it up the most was Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's resume on the whole was good enough to get into the NCAA tournament. And I think that if you look at what St. Louis did over the course of this season, um, they were definitely the more deserving candidate for that other 11 seed. I think they should have been one of the last four in, and Michigan State should have been one of the first four out. Yeah. I'm I'm just surprised that Syracuse got off scot free as an 11 seed that didn't have to play 
a single playing game, no first four matchup for Syracuse this year. And for a team that a lot of people thought was most certainly in that last four in first four out uh, range of bubble teams, I'm kind of surprised that they, they managed to avoid that. Um, I thought they would have been closer to out than, than getting a, getting a pass from the first four, but what do I know? Yeah. That, that was the big one too. I, I saw their name pop up and I was like, they really don't even have a play-in game. And, and then you look at a team like Louisville, it's like, was Syracuse really more deserving than Louisville? Um, you know, that one I think just comes down to a money grab. I think they were trying to put the bigger name program in and mm-hmm. they had close enough resumes that they can get away with it to an extent. Um, but they didn't look like, you know, I'm with you. They didn't look like a, a clear cut turn team to me. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit here. I, I think the, the selection committee is just enamored with how Syracuse every single year is on the bubble and how they're always right near that cut line and bordering on first four, uh, first four one of, being one of those first four games, <laughs> last four in teams. <laughs> so I, I think they, don't, they honestly were like, you know what? We're just not going to throw them in there this year. Let's just give them a, 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 an 11 seed from the start. No first four for them this year, whatever. So I, I, I can buy that. But let's get into, into the South region. Uh, Baylor is your top number one seed. Uh, and so I think they're probably the favorite in this region. I think the other favorite would be the three seed, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, who are your top team or two in this region, favorites-wise, Mike? Favorites-wise, I definitely think it's it's hard to ignore Baylor. Um, their body of work this year, led by uh, the elite backcourt play of Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, has just been fantastic um, start to finish. They're not coming into it uh, as impenetrable as they were before they got COVID, obviously losing in the Big 12 semifinal to Oklahoma State. Um, they look vulnerable on the interior, but still one of the strongest teams in what I view as the second weakest overall region uh, heading into this tournament. Uh, the other one is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, you know, strong performance in the Big Ten tournament, getting all the way to the championship and taking uh, one of the prohibitive overall favorites in the tournament, Illinois, to overtime, uh, led by players like EJ Liddell. They can score from anywhere. They're going to make you put up points to beat them. Not the best defensively, uh, very vulnerable there. But when they get going, there aren't many better offenses in the country. Um, you know, not to be boring, but I do think the top two seeds are, are the teams to look at here. Mm-hmm. No, I, I tend to agree. I mean, Jared Butler, David Mitchell, and don't forget about Maceo Teague. That, that is a terrific trio of guards that the Baylor Bears have. They combine to average 47 points a game, 12 assists, and five steals. Uh, so that's, that's quite the trio that they've got there. Uh, the Bears were 17-0 and before that COVID pause that you mentioned, uh, but yet they still finished 22-2. and So they won five of their last seven despite that pause and despite playing a lot of ranked teams in that seven games after the COVID pause. So yes, they definitely didn't look as dominant as before, but they definitely look just as potent at times uh, after. Uh, For Arkansas, they've won 12 of their past 14. We talked about them a lot last week when we were breaking down the SEC conference tournament and Unfortunately, they didn't even reach the final. We had them winning. So that, that was unfortunate on our end. 
but they've still won 12 of their past 14. And that includes victories over tournament teams, Missouri, who they beat twice in that span, Florida, Alabama, and LSU. They're led by their freshman guard, Moses Moody, who averages 17 points a game, six rebounds and two assists. He's been uh, a very good player to say the least. Uh, And he's been at the forefront of Arkansas's surge to being one of the top teams in the country. Uh, I like Ohio state as a potential favorite as well. um, But I think that they're a little bit more ripe for an upset uh, in, in, at least in my estimation. So hence why I'm actually saying the top two teams favorite wise are Baylor and Arkansas. Yeah, uh, I definitely think those are, you know, two viable choices on the topic of Moody. Not many, not many freshmen have seen their stock rise this year quite like him. I know he was a top recruit coming in, but I don't think he was one of the projected top 10 guys. And now, you know, you read a lot of the mocks and they show that he's going to be one of the first 10 players off the board in this June's NBA draft. So they've got quite the talent down there um, at Arkansas. Uh, You know, I think it was just that that loss in the SEC tournament that kind of turned them off for me. Um, They were red hot going in and then LSU kind of went in and exposed them, uh, giving them an upset in the tournament semifinals led by Cam Thomas. I guess from where I'm sitting, it kind of shows that if you have a player who can go toe to toe with Moody, uh, they are a beatable team. Um, So, you know, I guess it's just, it depends on your perspective, whether, you know, Ohio state or Arkansas is the other favorite. Yeah. So let's get into dark horses, Mike. Who's your dark horse or dark horses for the South region? All right. So in looking at the South region as a whole, uh, one of my dark horses, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, they're a team that was extremely competitive in one of the most competitive conferences in the country this year. The Big 12 ranked for the majority of the season, led by Mac McClung, who just screams tournament hero type. The guy's the kind of a player who can put the whole team on his back help his guys make a run uh, and get them deep into the tournament. Plus they're coached by Chris Beard, who took Texas Tech to the NCAA tournament final. Was it in 2019 or was it 2018? Uh, it was the year Virginia won it all. So yeah, it 2019. 20, the most recent. So yeah. we were in the most recent NCAA tournament final um, because it was two years ago. But uh, I think, you know, you typically look at the top four seasons, the favorites and anything less than that is a surprise. I think they're a higher-end dark horse um, that can make a run. My lower-end dark horse, if we're getting into the double-digit seeds, mm-hmm. Winthrop, Winthrop. And here's why. Their first-round matchup is relatively easy. Um, if you look at that Villanova team, they're ice-cold coming in. Their two lead guards are out. They don't believe in themselves right now. That is a prime 12-5 upset you're sitting on right there. You, prime. Get, you do not get a 12-5 upset that is – much more obvious than this one. Everyone oh, loves the no, 12 I, upset, but this one is just yeah. like begging you to take it and just eat. It's, oh. it's incriminating almost if you don't take it. It's a, it's a salivating 12-5 opportunity. You never, ever see games like this where you're like, the 12 seed is 23-1 and one and they're playing a five seed that's completely banged up and ice cold. It, that never happens. So naturally Villanova will probably win by 15, but on paper, it looks like Winthrop is is just a tremendous dark horse. And then, you know, they would theoretically get Purdue, who I like in that game, but I that's a beatable four seed. You know, that that's a team that, you know, those are two teams that Winthrop could, if they ride their momentum going into this, 
take out pretty easily and roll into the Sweet 16 to face off against the Baylor Bears. Yeah. Purdue just comes off as a team that feels like it just has like this elite eight ceiling where they're, they're capable of getting to the second round for sure, or the second weekend for sure, but it doesn't feel like they're going to do much on that second weekend if they get there. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. My dark horse is the 12 seed Winthrop Eagles uh, for the exact reasons you said. You know, Nova being decimated by injuries to their top players. They're basically down to Jerome uh, Peoples-Earl. I think that's his name we went over last week. Um, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl. Thank you. And it showed in in that quick exit in New York City for the Bees tourney. Uh, So, like we've been saying, Winthrop should be a very, very popular 12-5 upset pick. Uh, but don't be surprised, like you were alluding to, don't be surprised if Winthrop does more than just take out a depleted Villanova Wildcat squad. They're averaging nearly 80 points per game. They come in with that 23-1 and record, which just, I mean, obviously they weren't really playing anyone because they couldn't play anyone because those mid-majors, they really didn't get a shot to play teams out of conference this year. Um, but, I mean, they've shown the ability to score with anyone and beat just about anyone put in front of them. So for that reason, I'm 100% with you on Winthrop. I think that they are definitely a candidate to make it to the sweet 16 in the second weekend of this tournament. Yeah, no, they're just really, really good program. And I I think what's going to stick out is, you know, a lot of people don't watch, a ton of mid-major or minor conference college basketball during the year, but, you know, teams with that kind of a record coming in, it it doesn't matter what conference you play. And if you've won 23 of 24 games coming into this tournament, you got to be a damn good basketball team to win that many games. So especially um, when there's only one loss in the loss call. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, But let's get into some of our other potential upsets. We, we definitely agree. Winthrop, over Nova seems like a straightforward uh, pick, but are there any other upsets that you see in the first round? So I'll give you a couple of potential ones. Um, the first I would go with is Virginia Tech over Florida. Um, I think those are two fairly comparable teams heading into this tournament. I think Florida has a slight edge talent wise, but you know, they don't look the best coming into this and neither does Tech. It's kind of just a who's who kind of game. And I think that if if Tech can get some momentum early, they could carry that throughout the game and maybe steal this one as a 10 seed taking it from a seven seed. The other one I have, and it would be over one of my favorites. I hadn't thought about it much, but one of my roommates was doing research earlier and Oral Roberts as a 15 seed apparently is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire country. What usually plays up in those 14-3 matchups are 15-2. I don't think it is going to happen. I don't have a lot of upsets in this region. But if there's one to look for, teams that pull off upsets in the first round are teams that can shoot the three ball well and have an offensive explosion that the higher seeds just get so overwhelmed. They start to feel the pressure. They're choking on their own offensive end. They're not putting as much energy into defense. Oral Roberts is the kind of team that can do that. And apparently they played Oklahoma State close earlier this year. They only lost by five points, and it took Cunningham dropping 30 to beat them. So 
they're a competitive team. They're going to put up a fight, and that should be one of the better high-low seed matchups that you see this weekend. You know, it's funny that you talk about one of your favorites uh, being potentially on upset alert because I've got the same thing. I think Arkansas is one of the favorites, but I also think that there's a, a decent chance that they go down in round one. Colgate is a team, they're only 13-1 and one on the season. They had basically, or 14-1 and one rather, they had no non-conference schedule. All of their games were league games. And so they just ran through the Patriot League. But they averaged 86 points a game and won by an average of about 18 a game. I mean, there's, they, can pull, they can score with the Razorbacks. No question about it. This should be a very fast-paced, high-scoring affair in this 3-14 matchup. And for kind of the same reasons you're alluding to, you get a, a team that just gets get hot from three-point, that gets hot shooting the basketball. You never know what might happen. And Colgate has the kind of offense to keep up with an Arkansas or with any other team that they get to. They just got to perform in the, the moment. Uh, but I think Colgate is definitely one to watch. So don't be surprised if, if Colgate gives Arkansas uh, quite the game or takes it in that first round 314 matchup. The other one I would mention would be the 11 seeded Utah State Aggies over uh, your Texas Tech Ra- Red Raiders. I know they're not your Texas Tech Ra- Raiders, but uh, you've, you've got them out as a dark horse. Well, I think they're 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 on upset alert here i think that utah state is kind of flying under the radar being a mountain west team they didn't even win the conference tournament or the regular season crown that would go to one san diego state but i think the aggies they've been here before i think that despite the recent success of texas tech i also think that utah state is not going to be phased by the moment and I think this is going to be a very close matchup. The teams, at least on paper, match up fairly well. Um, so don't be surprised if this is a very close game and the 11 pulls the upset. Yeah, no, uh, Utah State definitely had a good year. It's interesting that we're, we're on opposite sides of that. When you look at the bracket at, or this region as a whole, um, outside of, you know, Baylor-Hartford, which is kind of just a wash of a game, should be Baylor first... UML. Uh, is that the is that the reason UMass Lowell was in? Yes, that was. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. It's okay. They would so, have been in the first four game anyways if they had made it. So, yeah. so, um, but yeah, outside of you know that the Baylor Hartford game, you look at the other what seven games in that region, and honestly, I mean, we pretty much talked about all but one of them is, you know, this team could win or that team could win. The only game we haven't brought up is, is North Carolina, Wisconsin, which is another game. That's just a giant wash. I mean, either one of those teams could pull that game out, but you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we've talked about like, you know, the favorites should win, but this team could be on upset alert. You know, it, Ohio state should win, but Oral Roberts could pull it off. Mm-hmm. You know, Arkansas should win, but Colgate put up 86 points per game. Florida, Virginia Tech's kind of a wash. You know, Utah State's red hot coming into this. So the whole first round of this region should be very exciting and play into a lot of close matchups that come down to the wire. Yeah, so let's 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 talk about some players to watch in this region. Uh, 
we talked about Baylor and their terrific uh, trio of guards, but we and you talked about EJ Lindell for Ohio State. Well, I want to bring up uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., the guard for Ohio State. He averaged 23 points a game, six boards, three assists in the Big Ten tournament, leading the Buckeyes all the way to the tournament final where they went down in overtime to the, the Illinois fighting Illini. But he looked really good in that championship game. He dropped, I believe, 32 points in that game. He willed Ohio State uh, back into that game. Uh, whenever Illinois went on a run to try and outdist himself, Washington was the guy that sort of willed them back into it. Um, so if they've got Washington Jr. and Lindell both going, yeah, it's going to be tough for anyone to take them out. Uh, any other players or players that you would want to speak to in this region, Mike? Uh, yeah. One I talked about earlier was uh, Mr. McClung from Texas Tech. Um, I know you got them on upset alert. I think that game could be one of the more back-and-forth games that we see. Um, but he's the kind of guy who, when he gets going, he's really difficult to stop. Um, he carried them at times this year, showed the clutch team when he had a go-ahead three-pointer against Texas with, I think it was like 0.3 or 0.1 seconds left on the clock. Um, mm -hmm. I think he averaged 16 or 17 a game this year. Senior lead guard, this is his swan song. He's going to want to go out on top, and he's going to leave everything on the floor for them. The other one, uh, I would say UNC big man, Dayron Sharp. He's not the senior, that's Garrison Brooks, and he's not either of the the two five-star. Oh, no, no, Sharp is, excuse me, I got it backwards. Armando Baycott is the one I wanted to bring up. Sharp is one of the two freshmen along with Walker Kessler who comes off the bench. Baycott was one of the best big men in the ACC this year, and he looked fantastic in the ACC tournament. Was one of the more impactful players for North Carolina every time out on the floor. Um, he was one of the leading scorers down the stretch, fantastic rebounder, uh, quality defender on the inside. If they're going to get past Wisconsin and give Baylor a fight, he's going to have to be equally as good in this tournament as he was in that one. If he has the kind of positive impact that he had in the ACC, they're not going to be an easy out, and they're going to push Baylor to Baylor's limit, which, as has been shown, Baylor can crack against a good team. Yep. I, I agree. He's, he's going to have to be the guy if the Tar Heels want to have any shot of getting out of the first weekend. Uh, so let's kind of circle back and talk about the double-digit seeds that we think can make a six uh, a sweet 16 run. I think we're both in agreement that Winthrop is definitely one, given their path. Um, at least I do. Would you? Okay. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think that you know they're pretty much in my head. They're a mortal lock to beat Villanova. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing because. There's no guarantees, but, of course. you know, they're the double-digit seed that makes the most sense to get through that first-round game. And at that point, Purdue is a beatable team. I, I can very well see them making a Sweet 16 run. Yeah, I think there's one more double-digit seed that has the potential to make a Sweet 16 run. And it's kind of harping back to my potential upsets. I think that both the three and the six could go down. And if they both go down, then that guarantees that we get a double-digit seed advancing to the Sweet 16 in the form of either Utah State or Colgate. Uh, so in that scenario, I would like Utah State. So for that very reason, I, I actually think Utah State has a decent shot of making the Sweet 16 here. 
yeah, they're they're a good pick. Um, I don't have either of those going down personally, but you know, kind of similar to you, I talked about at the very bottom of the bracket. You know, Oral Roberts could take out Ohio State, and Virginia Tech could take out Florida. In which case, it would also be a guarantee that a double-digit seed makes it because that's ten versus fifteen. Yep. Um, you know, I personally don't have. I have one of those two in my bracket, but if Oral Roberts takes out Ohio State, I think they're good enough to take out Virginia Tech. And at that point, I would probably bank on them beating Tech and being a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Whew. That would be spicy. Harping back would, to the days of, of of Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, that was, I, that was that was a fun-ass team to watch for sure. But all right, it's time to make some picks. We've already alluded to some of them, but we're going to make them official. All right, Mike, who do you have in the Elite Eight for the South region? And who do you have winning and advancing to the Final Four? All right, so um, I know we talked about the potential upsets, but I do have the chalk matchup uh, in the Elite Eight. I have Baylor versus Ohio State. I think they're the clear-cut two best teams. Um, Outside of Arkansas, who you mentioned, I don't see any of the other teams in the region as being good enough to make that deep of a run and get that far into the tournament. And when push comes to shove, I think the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to the final four. I think that Baylor is going to crack. Ohio State has an offense capable of putting up 85, 90 points on them. I think that Baylor's interior play of late has been really costly. And it's not going to be an issue early, but it will become an issue when, you know, they're forcing it to the inside too much or they're getting stretched out to the perimeter. And I don't know, something about the way Baylor's been playing lately tells me they're not a Final Four team. So for that reason, Buckeyes win themselves. You know, sometimes you really want to just agree to disagree just for the sake of debate. I can't do it here. I full-heartedly agree with you. I, I also have Ohio State and Baylor in the Elite Eight, and I also have the Buckeyes over the Bears uh, in this matchup. And I would have Ohio State moving to the Final Four. I, I like what I saw in that Big Ten title run. They could take down anyone. They could play with anyone in what was arguably the best conference top to bottom in the league, uh, in, in, in the country rather. Uh, and they've performed admirably all season. Obviously they weren't the t- the best of the big 10 as evidenced by their, their five seed in the conference tournament, but they showed that they are on any given day, they can be just as good as anyone when they made it to not only the conference final final, but pushed Illinois to overtime, even in defeat. I think this is definitely a team that can make a final four run. And I, I, I also agree with your Baylor analysis. I, I just think that one of these games, it's going to catch that, that pause. I think they're, they're, they've caught up back to speed. But if, any, if that Oklahoma State game in the semifinal in the Big 12 tournament showed us anything, it's that they are capable, they are vulnerable to going down. It, it's, they're not a Gonzaga-level dominant team anymore. And I think that one of these games, they're going to run into another top tier team and they're not going to be able to hang. And I think that's going to be the case when they, if they were to play Ohio state, 
for that reason, I got the Buckeyes. Now, Mike, I need your final four picks. I'm going to save mine for the end, but I need your final four picks. So you give me – right. you, can, you can run through your Elite Eight if you want as a whole, or you can just give me your final four teams and then tell me who's advancing to the championship and who you've got winning it all. All right, I'm going to take a look at my bracket here. So I'll run through my Elite Eight just to, just to give some details. So in uh, in what I believe is the West region, I believe that's Gonzaga's. Yes. Uh, I have Gonzaga playing USC in the Elite Eight, and I have Gonzaga taking out the Trojans to get to the Final Four. Ooh, that's a spicy USC pick. Yeah, I, I think USC is going to get hot and make a run. Okay. And uh, I think you're going to see them do some damage. In looking at the East region, which is Michigan's region, I have Florida State playing Texas in the Elite Eight, and I think that the Texas Longhorns will make the Final Four. Um, and then finally, well, we already know that in the South, I've got Ohio State. In the Midwest region, what I think is the deepest region in this tournament, you could see six teams possibly come out of this and, and make a deep run. I have Oklahoma State playing Houston and Oklahoma State advancing to the Final Four. Ooh, the Cade so recap, Cunningham effect. The, I, I am a Cade Cunningham believer. So to recap, and in short, Gonzaga, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Texas is going to be the Final Four. Okay. And then if we're looking at the national championship, I think that Gonzaga beats Texas pretty handily in their semifinal matchup. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma State upsets Ohio State to continue their magic run in their semifinal matchup. And in the battle of future top five picks with Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, I think it comes down to the rest of the teams. And I think Gonzaga is just too deep. Uh, give me the Bulldogs over the Cowboys with the Zags completing the first undefeated season since 1976 and winning the national title. Wow. You've got the Zags winning the national championship. I just, I, I don't want to, want to throw any spoilers away but it's it's a tall task to ask a team to go undefeated that's a lot of pressure that's going to build up by the time they get to the final four uh if they were to get there um so i would have a little bit of hesitancy with gonzaga but if there's any gonzaga team that could do it it would be this team so i can't hate you it can't fault you for taking the best team in the country that we've seen so far yeah they i just you know you look at their their best five man unit when they throw out their sugs ayayi nembard kispert and timmy and that five man unit is one of the best five man units i've ever seen on a college basketball floor you've got the mix of the five-star talent with sugs quality ball handling from ayayi um a, a good role player and nembard who knows when to take his shots and what his role is in that offense, a go-to leading perimeter player in Kispert who can light it up from three and a really high quality interior big man in Timmy. They can score from anywhere. They will score from everywhere. And I just don't see anyone keeping up with them this tournament. They, they can just put you away by halftime if they want to. Yep. That, I, and we've seen that on plenty of occasions throughout the season. But uh, any final thoughts on the South region and the bracket as a whole, Mike? Um, 
on the south region uh you know like i said pretty weak i think the first round will be exciting i think the second round will be chalk um and i I think it will be one of the top three seeds that come out of it. I, I can't really see anybody else from that region making a final four run. As for the bracket as a whole, um, just happy that this is back. Last March sucked without this. And uh, I'm really glad that we've, we finally got some college basketball back in our lives with March Madness. Can't wait for Friday at noon. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, but uh, that's going to wrap up the South region. Mike, thanks for hopping back on. Appreciate you course thank you for having me back all right now joining me to help break down the east region we've got producer nichi not in producer role this time around and squid back again fellas how we doing oh i'm excited to be here talk some march madness baby yeah same here excited for this tournament to get going finally uh having a tournament again it's gonna feel pretty nice yeah we've waited two long years for this one so it just feels extra special uh, than ever before. Uh, but I want to start with one question before we get into the breakdown of the East region, and that pertains to the last four in, first four out. Do you guys feel the committee got those last four teams that are in the first four right? I mean, I'll, I'll defer on this one over to Nick. Ah, uh, let's see. So just, I'm, I'm reminding myself here, refreshing of the last four, uh, that last four that made it in is that, um, the, all the 11 seeds, correct? Uh, the ones that have to play to get into the, the playing games. The, yeah. The so, yes. so Wichita state, Drake, Michigan state, UCLA. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this. I was a little surprised at Michigan state given their record is not great, but I understand the decision given that they are kind of playing in a really tough conference and, um, I think they had some COVID issues. I heard a lot of talk that they were uh, a lot better of a team than their record would dictate. We'll see if that's true going up against UCLA. If that's true, then I feel like they shouldn't have too much of a problem with Pac-12 UCLA. Um, Drake, I'm, I'm happy Drake getting. They had a really good season. Um, I don't really feel too strongly about Drake. I'm just going off of you know the fact that they had a pretty good season. But uh, you know, I like to see a mid-major uh, get rewarded a little bit for having a good season quite the surprise that they got in uh, the way that they did. You know, a lot of the mid-majors usually obviously have to win their conference to get in. Um, and outside of that, you know, all right. So re now remind me of the first or the last, like the, the first four out, I believe. Uh, um, Louisville. Yeah. It was Ole Miss, mm -hmm. St. Louis, and uh Frick. I don't remember who the other one was. You said, said Ole Miss, St. Louis, Louisville, and uh, is it was it Colorado State? It was Colorado State. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, I think all those were pretty, uh, pretty much expected. I think those decisions were um, pretty good. The only thing I will say is, uh, man, I think Providence got snubbed, bro. Oh, shut the hell up! You, <laughs> you take that asinine nonsense and you get the hell out of here. Uh, but. <laughs> I, I do agree with that assessment. Um, I'm a little shocked uh, about Syracuse not having to even be in the first four, just getting a straight 11 seed. Uh, mm -hmm. But other than that, I, I do agree with, with your assessment. Uh, Michigan State beat some really good teams there at the end. Uh, they were had got off to a really, really poor start in conference play, hence their, their really subpar record at 15 and 12. 
but they beat the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, and I believe Iowa or Illinois uh, towards in that last final weeks of the season. So they really picked up uh, some huge wins, and that clearly went a long way in the committee's eyes. But let's get into the East region. Oh, real quick, real quick. I want I want to touch on. Um, yeah, please I, go ahead. I I think we just see a consistent trend every year. You mentioned Syracuse. Syracuse is just always a team that you, you, you just like, there's no, like they're, they're probably going to run the border, huh? And they somehow just sneak in every single time, no matter what happens. Every single year. Do you think but, they have an in with the committee where yes. like, they're like, oh, yo, yeah. um, we got to make the tournament like every year or like we got the blackmail on the committee or something. Like they've, they got something going on in the inner works. I 100% agree. I think that they are just the darling of the bubble and the committee has this infatuation where they're sick of putting them in the first four. So this year they were like, nope, you're just going to get the 11 seed. To be fair though, to be fair, I, they usually prove their worth in the tournament. So I do. I, agree. I have no complaints. They usually go on runs. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about the, the teams that just snuck in Um you know, you have to put Michigan State in there. This is when uh, Mr. Izzo, some people like to call him Mr. March, thrive best uh, is, is when he is a underdog and not a favorite. So I'm excited to see what Izzo can do. I mean, I'm a huge Michigan uh, Michigan basketball fan, so I hate Michigan State. But I'm excited to see what they can do in there and uh, make some noise. I agree. So let's get into the East region breakdown. Uh, all three, all but three teams in this region made it to their conference semifinals. Uh, the exceptions were Michigan State and UCLA, who lost their first uh, first game of the conference tournament, and Maryland, who beat Michigan State and then lost. Uh, but everyone else actually made decent runs in their conference tournament. We've got plenty of auto-bid winners in this region. Uh, I think the favorites, in my eyes, are – it has to be Michigan as the top seed, but I also think Texas – is definitely a favorite in this region. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Who, who are your favorites in this region? Yeah, well, outside of the obvious in Michigan and Texas, um, I don't want to take up too many other teams to give Squid a chance to pop in. So I'll pick one that I'm looking at. Um, Going to be a I might, I might have to say this for later. I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot, a lot of opinions on these teams, but I'll go with Alabama on this one. Um, uh, right now I'm looking at my bracket, the way it's set up and I've got a sweet 16 matchup of Texas and Alabama. And that one will be a freaking doozy if it happens. Um, I think Alabama has been, uh, one of the most consistent teams in the season. I mean, they shot up the top 25 somewhere along the middle of the season and they haven't really moved since. I think they're a pretty talented team and they have a, they have a good chance. I think they, I think they lucked out um maybe not so lucked out but i think they had a good draw as far as the region um which i again i would say the same thing for texas being that uh michigan yes they're a one seed but i do believe that they are the worst one seed of all the one seeds and not having to deal with like gonzaga and who's literally undefeated and illinois who just seems like an unstoppable monster uh that is definitely what i would feel most comfortable uh, going into the East region as Alabama or Texas or really any other team in this region um, outside of Michigan. So um, I definitely look for Alabama to have a good chance to make a run in this region as with many other teams. So for that reason, I'm going to let squid hop in and give his thoughts. 
Oh yeah. So when I first came across this, it just, it came to me as the region of death. And I say that for a few different reasons. Um, <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say is I, the, the battle in the round of 32 between UConn and Alabama, whoever wins that, in my opinion, is going to end up uh, in the elite eight. I, I just, for some, for, you know, UConn is a scrappy team. I love, I, mean, I, I love what Hurley does, especially uh, in Rhode Island a few years ago. I know some people aren't as high on Hurley as I am, but uh I think UConn has a little run in them, so I'm excited to see what they can bring. Um, but the, the one thing I will say is, as much of a Michigan lover as I am, I am not very confident. To be completely honest with you, our, our glue guy, Isaiah Livers, is um, – well, I'm not sure what his status is for the rest of the tournament. I believe he might be out for the whole tournament, and if that's the case – I mean, it's it's still – I'm still unsure. They, they don't know the exact timeline, but if that is the case, uh, Michigan is going nowhere fast, and I could honestly see them getting knocked out round two to LSU. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with you there. I mean, Isaiah Livers, he averaged 13, 6, and 2 on the season. Like you said, a glue guy. But they still are absolutely a force to be reckoned with. I mean, despite that three-week COVID pause – and that recent loss of the, their senior glue guy. I mean, they still have freshman center Hunter Dickinson, who's averaging 14 and eight, a block and a half a game. They still competed with the likes of Ohio State. They only lost by one in their game without livers. So they're definitely uh, still able to compete with top 10 teams. It's not like they're now Villanova, where they're just a shell of themselves. Yeah. And they don't stand a chance against even five. 500 level teams. What I will say though, is they, you know, coach Howard will have them ready that they always come ready when he's there. And, uh, and you know, Fr Franz Wagner, he is, he is a player that is a potential breakout candidate in the tournament. Um, and he, he could really come in here and step into the role for, um, for livers pretty quickly. And Michigan has tons of wings up the bench that, that can play big minutes and they were high recruits. So you, you could see some guys come in and step in for livers pretty easily, but you know, livers is a senior and that's a big leadership, some big leadership to losing there. But then again, Michigan has a lot of seniors. So I'm not, I just wouldn't be shocked if they, they get knocked out early at the same time, who knows, maybe they'll find themselves in the final four. Now, Texas, on the other hand, they come in pretty hot. They won the big 12 tournament, although it only took them two games to win that conference tournament because Kansas had to withdraw due to COVID issues, but Texas, they've been hot and cold, but lately they have been scorching hot and they've been tested throughout the whole season. They went seven and six against ranked teams this season. That's 13 games against ranked teams out of the, what was it? How many let's I have it in front of me. They played 26 games this year. They went 19 and seven and half of them were against teams that were ranked at the time they played them. That's that just is a battle tested team. So I would certainly not be surprised if the Texas Longhorns had a deep run in them, especially the way they played in the big 12 tournament. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah. I mean, listen, this is, this is the best Texas team that they've had possibly since Kevin Durant's team in 07. Um, the, the absolute sheer length that they have on this team with Greg Brown and Kai Jones and Jericho Sims cannot be understated at all. Um, and like you said, it feels like this season for Texas, in my opinion, has been 
the most stressful season of Texas basketball I have ever watched. Because, like you said, 13 ranked opponents that they had to play against out of like 26, so half the total. I mean, it feels like every other day they're playing another top 10 team, not even just top 25, just another top 10 team. Um, Such is life to, in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have to play Baylor twice. So, I mean, I was kind of happy about that because they were, I mean, Baylor is just amazing. But um, they seemed to have Kansas' number the whole season. Not going to say that it would have been an easy win if they had to play Kansas in the Big 12 tournament like they're supposed to. But um, look, I'm not going to complain. You can't really change what happened. I love, I've been loving the way they've been playing. They played hard, they battled their way through Oklahoma State, another scorching hot team in this tournament, uh, in the, one of the billions of Big 12 teams. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I am very hopeful uh, for this run because I feel like Texas usually makes the tournament every year, uh, but they don't really make it far. And I will always be haunted by the Northern Iowa half court bank shot <laughs> that uh, sent them out <laughs> some years back, because every time I have to go hype myself up for the tournament by watching like the biggest shots in March Madness history, you know, like buzzer beaters, you know, it's compilations of the best things ever. And uh, I always have to watch Northern Iowa once um, shatter Texas's um hopes and dreams in the ncaa tournament i don't even i i blocked out what year it was completely it's okay um, i get uh constantly reminded of cj mccollum thrashing and t- picking apart single-handedly duke that one year back in like 2013 or 2014 whatever year it was uh, mm-hmm. including today so uh i i understand your pain good times man good times very Love good. cj mccollum very very great times but let's move on to our dark horses for the east region squid i will start with you who's your dark horse in the east region Ooh, dark horse as they're going to come out and potentially make the final four or dark horse as in those make a little noise you you it's up to your interpretation of the definition like in my eyes the definition is if you're taking like a like a five through an eight seed then they've got to be going elite eight at least okay if, if you're taking like a double digit seed as your dark horse, then they're, they just need to get to the second weekend, sweet 16. Okay. Yep. So I, I have two, I have two. Um, the first one is, is the eight seed LSU. Uh, you obviously saw them make a, a, a major run in the sec tournament, losing, uh, losing a pretty close game in the finals there. Uh, you know, they, they got, they got a pretty decent backcourt there and I don't know, I could see them making a little bit of noise. They're just, they're a scrappy team. Um, and the other team that I think, and it, it's, you know, it's clockwork. It is a, when he's a when he's a lower seed, they, they make things work. And like you said, they had a slow start, but they've, they've started to figure things out slowly since they beat some good teams. So man, if they can pull an upset off against Texas, I could see them making a run all the way, you know, potentially just meeting up with Michigan with Michigan or LSU later on, or I guess Florida, I mean, Florida state could sneak in there, but uh, I really do think Michigan state and LSU are two sleepers in this, in this, in this part that I really like. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I tend to agree. You can never count out a first four team that is coming in with that game of momentum. They've got their legs underneath them already. Um, they've got the shot going. Uh, so never count out a first four team, especially a Michigan state one. That's got plenty of top tier wins to their name. Uh, and I also agree with your LSU. They're also my dark horse. They just have firepower in both the front court, whether it's trade on Watford or Darius days, who both average over 11 points a game and seven rebounds uh, and backcourt. They've got an electric backcourt in Cameron Thomas and Javante Smart. 
Cameron Thomas, 23 points a game as a freshman. I mean, what more can you say to that? We talked, I talked about him with Mike on the pod last week and can't really say enough about him, especially how he played in that SEC tournament. Uh, so don't be surprised, like Squid said, if LSU makes it to the second weekend, especially if Livers is still out from Michigan, which he's, he's out indefinitely. Who knows when he'll be back? Nick, who's your dark horse or dark horses? Yeah, well, I mean, LSU has to be the top option, but another team I'm kind of giving a look is uh, Maryland. Uh, this is a team that was able to take down Illinois earlier on in the season. They play in another big battle-tested conference, such as the Big um, so they've been through the ringer all year. The record is not fantastic, but the fact that they're over 500 in that conference means they must be a pretty damn good basketball team. And look, UConn's been playing well, but look, UConn's been playing in the Big East Conference, and the Big East Conference sucked this year. Wait, I thought the Big East was the best conference. Not this year. Every wow. year before okay. this year, the Big East was the best conference. <laughs> then UConn came in, and the Big East Conference sucked. So, I mean, who's really at fault here? I blame UConn for the sucky conference this year going off of that i think maryland obviously has a good chance to win this game it's going to be really close with the way uh uconn's been playing as of late uh I, this game was going to be close and maryland's got a really tough road because then they got to go likely to play alabama and then they probably are going to have to play either i don't know byu michigan state or texas like there's there's no game that really is in their favor and yeah they're a 10 seed so you wouldn't expect to them to have a game in their favor but still um, but I think because of the fact that they've played so many good teams, I mean, you really can't discount experience when it comes to the tournament. Uh, so I, I would watch out for them. And even Georgetown, Georgetown is another team. And when it, when it comes to March Madness, man, uh, you got to ride with the teams that are hot. The teams that are hot are always the ones to watch out for. And I mean, who won the conference championship and who didn't Georgetown won theirs. They destroyed Creighton. It was a fantastic performance. And Colorado did. They lost to Oregon State. And that's they, they really blew that one. That should have been a locked-in Pac-12 title for them. Or now they gave Oregon State what's probably going to be an absolute thwomping by Tennessee over in whatever region they're in. Um, but watch out for Georgetown, man. If they're able to get by Colorado, they got Florida State. Florida State's a good team, but nothing about them really, like, just jumps out at me as, like, the impossible barrier that can't surpass. And then who knows, you could be looking at Georgetown playing LSU or Michigan over there in the Sweet 16. You could mess around and make them a little noise in this region. Yeah. What, I, there's one more name I got to mention. Um, who coaches number 15? I don't know. I just, I just need a quick, uh, I, need, I need a quick reference check here. Uh, I believe his last name starts with Patino. Oh man. And that is uh, who I believe to be former Mr. March. So this should be a, uh, and I, I, we, we had to obligatory mention him, right? Like we have to, we can't yeah. not mention him, you know, when we're, and he's in March madness. So yeah, we can, hey. we can give him a quick mention. Hey, possible. You get a sweet 16 Iona MSU, man. I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking like if you're into 15 seeds, pulling some upsets, I mean, I, how shocked would you be Rick Patino sneaks way in there, gets it. Gets, gets the team to the Sweet 16, and all of a sudden, Indiana's calling him for the head coaching job. Um, that would be quite the story, man. <laughs> Oof. That's spicy. Uh, but we're already gonna sort of getting into some potential upsets that I think we like. Uh, mainly, we've seen Maryland brought up, uh, MSU, uh, Michigan State, or even potentially UCLA, and Georgetown. Uh, are there any other ones that you guys 
like i mean that's 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 like half of them right there but any other ones that you potentially think are are pretty good bets to happen upset wise i mean i i personally feel like Mich- whoever wins ucla michigan's a lock over over byu I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't sleep so easily on BYU. They've Ugh. had a really good season, man. I know they don't play much talent comparatively to Michigan State and UCLA, but I mean, on Pac-12, anything that crazy either. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I have. It's a. It's a game that I've got my eye on because I've been. I already have flip flopped like a few times on this one today. So I, I'm not. I don't want to discredit BYU too much right now. But they're, they're, if you're looking for upset potential, it is in that game right there. But aside from that, I mean, I guess we can give – I don't know how much of an upset it is based off seeding. Maybe it kind of is in our minds. But, I mean, you can't discredit Bonnie's either and uh, St. Bonaventure. They're yeah. a pretty balanced team all around. But I just it just seems like they're, they're up against a monster in LSU. Uh, and the reality is the seeding is only 8-9, but it feels like it's more like – Four thirteen, really yeah th- that one lsu was definitely underseeded bonnie's got a short end of the stick there but i, I mean, would Michigan did too <laughs> yeah yeah i i would agree in that sense as well um that's 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 a dangerous little quadrant in there um but i wouldn't really call a nine over an eight an upset even if right. it does feel like it um i like that you mentioned georgetown and here's why the big east tournament winner has won multiple games in three straight tournaments only the pac-12 tournament winner can say that as well wow some nice savior metrics right there ryan so don't sleep on the hoyas like you said they're coming in red hot they're clicking on all cylinders do not let the record fool you they may only be what 14 and 12 13 and 12 13 and 12 is their record but they're they were three and four against ranked teams so they not only have the chance, have shown that they can take down some really top end teams, but they're like you said, Nick, playing on all cylinders right now. If you want to cash in on some upset bids, it's a classic five twelve matchup. Can't say no to the Hoyas. I mean, it really just feels like half the region we've already mentioned is being scorching hot coming into the tournament. I mean, it's how true. much? I mean. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, anything can happen in March yeah. Madness. Man. I think can... I think this is the region of chaos. I, I oh, think this 100%. is where it's going to just – bedlam is going to ensue. The bracket-busting like, region. Yeah, for sure. I, this, this is the one that's probably going to be the one where if you try and, and take chalk on this one, you're not going to have a fun – you're not going to get results here. The chalks of the West. Yes, I, I agree. All right, let's move on to some players to watch here. We've thrown out a couple names already, uh, but Nick, are, are there any player or players that you're looking forward to watching from this region? Well, um, I spent some time watching the SEC championship game between LSU and Alabama. And I think you mentioned his name. Is it is it Watford or Wofford? I forget how. Watford, it's... yes. Watford. Okay. Watford. Yeah, that that kid had about the, what thirty points, thirty plus points in the SEC championship game against Alabama, even though they didn't win. But um, man, he was on fire that game. So if there's anybody I'm looking forward to watching, it's definitely him. Squid. 
Yeah, uh, there's there's one player I'm very, very, very bullish on uh, long term, as in becoming an NBA prospect, but also as a college player, and that is Scotty Barnes. Um, man, he is a six nine dynamic player, and I think he's just he's he's awesome. I mean, him and Greg Brown are, are, are there. I mean, I'm a huge NBA draft prospect guy, and those are two guys I'm just in love with. Yeah, poor Greg Brown. I mean, he hasn't looked too good as of late. I'm worried more, his value, NBA value, is tanking. But I guess you still can't argue with his athleticism and his uh, his height and, and knowing all that. knowing the NBA, he'll 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 find his way if he has yeah, athleticism in that exactly. height. So, yeah. for me, the player to watch uh, is Herbert Jones, the forward from Alabama. Not only was he the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, he was the SEC Overall Player of the Year. It's not often you get a player that wins both awards, especially with a stat line that he had on the season. Uh, only averaged 11 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists. He did have two steals and one block a game, but man, he what he lacked on the stat sheet, he, he impacted in reality. He was a force to be reckoned with on both ends of the court, and he has the awards to show it. Uh, he did put up numbers, though, in Nashville for the SEC tournament. He averaged 14 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks a game. So he totally took over that tournament and spearheaded the Crimson Tide going all the distance, all the way, rather, <clears throat> and winning it all and adding a conference tournament championship to their regular season crown. So I think he's more than capable of carrying – Alabama to a deep run. So let's go into double digit seeds. We, we think this is a Brack, a region that is ripe for the picking. So who do we think are, it is a double digit seed that's going to make it to the sweet 16 squid. I'll let you start. I mean, I guess, I guess I got to follow th- follow suit on, on, uh, on what I said earlier, and that is Michigan State. Uh, it just to me, if a, if a double digit seed does make it, it's going to be Michigan State. But I also see what you're all saying with Georgetown. Yep, Nick. Yeah, as much as I like Georgetown, I just hate the path that they've got, and I, it's a. I guess it's a matter of whose path do I hate more between Georgetown and Maryland? Georgetown got to get through Colorado and then seemingly Florida State just to meet Michigan. And Maryland's got to get through UConn and then Alabama. So I don't know. Um, I think it's a, I think it's quite the toss up, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with the Terps with the, the big. Uh, I'm going with Georgetown. I, I do agree with what you're saying, Nick, that that is a tough four and five seeds to have to upend if that is the case, but with the way they are playing right now, I think all bets are off, and I think Georgetown could be not only a team to make it to the Sweet 16, but I think they're going to be a trendy Sweet 16 pick given how well and how much they dominated in that Big East tournament championship run. Yeah, I'm trying to look at uh, some stats here for this game, if I can get them up real quick. Uh, I'm trying to look at the percentage of people that are picking uh, Georgetown over Colorado and it looks like about a 70-30 split. So I'm a little surprised. I was, I was, I was kind of expecting a little more 60-40, but I, I mean, think that's a result of, of Georgetown's record. I think people see the seed and they see the 13-12 the and 12 record and they're like, oh, what, what is this? 
Yeah, it's the casuals that haven't been uh, paying at least enough attention. Exactly. All right, let's get into our Elite Eight picks here. Uh, I will start us off. I have the Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the eight seed LSU Tigers in the Elite Eight. And I think Bama ultimately gets to the Final Four. Nick, what do you got? Uh, as it stands right now, I would just like to put a disclaimer out there that these opinions in this bracket that I'm referencing are very much subject to change because uh, I, I still can't make what, it. What mind. is up with the cool zone pod and subject to change? Oh, I forgot Jonathan was doing that earlier. Well, look, I'm just saying there's so much that I have to take in and so much uh. more research that I want to do. But regardless, getting to the point, here's where I stand right now. Uh, I've got uh, the Texas bias working them all the way to the elite eight to face squids, and Michigan Wolverines, but the realistic mind in my, uh, in my, in my goddamn head is going with Michigan. Unfortunately, um, uh, I think that in the, if that, if that game happens and oh, it's going to stress me out so much because elite age, so it just, it just feels so good for once for them to make a run there and, I just think if they get there, I, I can see Michigan really ending it for them. So I'm going to go with Michigan over Texas in the Elite Eight. Uh, yeah, against my better judgment and my better will, I am saying Michigan is also going to be in the Elite Eight. Uh, I have them facing off, reluctantly saying this, against UConn. Um, it's just I think this, this bracket's going to turn into a shit show and UConn's going to find their way out of when the dust settles somehow. Um, and we're going to get Michigan versus UConn, and Michigan's going to pull through. Uh, therefore breaking my heart in the final four. All right. Now, the reason I've got Bama is because over the past five seasons, power six conference teams that won both their regular season and tournament championships have won about 14% more tournament games in the NCAAs than teams that only won uh, their regular season crown. And they've won 39% more tournament games than those that only won the conference tournament. So on average, the teams that win both the regular season and the conference tournament, they win about three games per tournament in the past five years. So that's mm. essentially an elite eight team guaranteed. Uh, but so that sounds like to me, sounds like one of those stats that you look at and then you kind of combine it together with uh, the theory of, hmm, does this stat make it make sense to follow through on and pick this team to win? Yeah, it makes sense, which means that you shouldn't do it. And what doesn't make sense is what you should pick and what you should do in your bracket. That's what that stat feels like to me. So I am so out on Alabama now for just that reason. You're welcome. <laughs> but all right. Uh, if you guys real quick want to give the rest of your elite eight to set up your final four, Please do. Okay. Um, my, my elite eight um, is um, sorry. My, my final, so we go all, all four of my final four teams pretty much. Yeah. So basically okay. who, who is the rest, who is in the elite eight for the rest of your matchups? Okay. I have Gonzaga versus Kansas up top. One um, B three. I know Kansas is going through a little lull of code right now, but 
I don't know. I just, for some, sometimes I got to believe in Kansas against better judgment. Um, and then Michigan versus UConn, like we talked about with Michigan falling through, sorry, Gonzaga pulled through on the West as well. So right now I have Michigan versus Gonzaga two ones meeting up uh, in the South. I have um, Texas tech pulling through coach beard. I'm pulling, pulling for an upset in, in that, uh, in that bracket, in that region. And then Illinois who are the team I picked to win it all in the final four, Illinois. All right, Nick. All right. So uh, I'm shocked by the Kansas pick. Um, I think I think they're screwed. I think they'll get through the first round, but I think even a team like USC takes them down in the round of 32. Um, but in that region, of course, Gonzaga is just going to coast all the way to the freaking Elite Eight, and if not farther, to be honest. I got them matching up with uh, the Iowa Hawks. Um, and I think Gonzaga will take that game. Um, going over to Baylor's region, I think Baylor doesn't really have the toughest um, route to the Elite Eight either. I got them facing off against Ohio State. I do have Ohio State, Texas Tech in the Sweet 16, but I hate Mac McClung's guts, and I will <laughs> absolutely – never root for Texas Tech or Mac McClung. I hate that kid. I want to punch him in the face. Probably get my ass kicked, but I still want to punch him in the face. None, uh, nonetheless, Baylor over Ohio State in this game, but it'll be a doozy. And in the last region, along with, of course, Michigan and Texas, Michigan winning there. Um, I've got Illinois. Uh, I really wanted to pick Oklahoma State here because of how well they've been playing lately, but I, I, I can't. I can't will it in me to pick um, against Illinois at the moment. So I'm going with Illinois. And right now I got them going against Houston. And then I think they'll be able to beat uh, Houston pretty handily. So uh, look, I know it's scary to pick a lot of one seeds. And I mean, literally all one seeds in the final four and Lord knows it won't happen, but these damn one seeds are just so good this year. Yeah. That I, I just can't justify picking against them. They like, are the undefeated Gonzaga, like Illinois, like the amount, like the amount of talent they have in their roster. Baylor was undefeated until like one game uh, until they were like, what, 18, 19 and 0 or something crazy like that. And I mean, Michigan's had their COVID problems, but they've been playing. They've been absolutely a star studded team. So I, I, I can't pick against any of them right now. So that's, that's what I got looking in my bracket right now. Yeah, I mean, they're those four are definitely in a tier above their own. I'm not, not saying Iowa or Ohio State aren't knocking on the doorsteps, but I, I think they're definitely close. Um, to They've definitely separated themselves this season. Uh, so let's get on with your final four picks and who you've got for the national champions. Squid, who you got? I have, I have Illinois as national champions. Um, AO is just, he looks like a badass with that mask on. He looks like a super villain. And I think he's taking over this tournament. The picture of him that he posted trying to like replicate Kobe. I don't know. Just it, it, it tugged at my heartstrings. I hate, I hate that school. I hate that team. Um, earlier in the year, I, I called on them to be frauds and they obviously blew that up in my face as they blew my team Michigan out and, uh, you know, proved me wrong. And I think they're hot right now. So I think they're going to pull it off and win the national championship. Who do you have them beating? I have them beating the Zags uh, in a close game. Okay. What about you, Nick? All right. Well, I've got the exact same matchup, but I'm going with Jalen Suggs and the Zags in this game. I got 88, 82, going to be a high scoring affair. Uh, I don't, this is kind of just a ballsy pick. I really don't have anything leaning me one way or the other. Just kind of a 
toss up gut feeling, you know, the Zags every year, they're nasty. I feel like at some point they have to win. They, you know, four or so years ago, they dropped to UNC in the national title game. It doesn't get, I don't, I think that was probably a better chance to win the national championship, but uh, for now, of course, subject to change, but uh, I've got the Zags winning the title over Illinois and what probably is going to be one of the greatest basketball games we've seen in a while. I hope so. Uh, I'm going to save my final four picks for the end of the show. So I won't give mine quite yet, (laughs) but uh, I do agree. I think Gonzaga is going to be a tough out and almost a, stone cold guarantee to be in the final four, if not the national championship. But I also think that the pressure of an undefeated season is going to mount as they go on and on in advance to each round. So I think that is something to take into account despite the star studded starting five. I'm before I got this podcast, I'm obligated to say this as someone who, who does not respect teams who don't play in big boy conferences. If they go undefeated and win the national title, it does not count as going undefeated and winning a national title because you have to play in a big boy conference for that to matter and beat some real teams. I know they had some early season wins against ranked teams, but you can't play against San Francisco all year and then talk about how great you are. I know it's the classic argument, but I'm so, I'm so sick of their shit. Come, go to a real I, conference. I, you know, that it's interesting. I feel like uh, at some point Gonzaga should just like, this, this gives me a lot like high school vibes of a team that like just dominates at like the division three level or something. And like, everyone's just like, Oh, your division sucks. And they're like, go move up to D two. And then they move up to D two and maybe they get smacked around a little bit. Uh, but honestly, I don't know how this would work, but maybe Gonzaga should just, you know, start in the pack 12. I mean, oh, location wise, it kind of makes sense. Absolutely. They, they would make the pack 12 look good. Oh yeah, I know for sure. Um, Pac-12 needs them, but I, I think maybe they could go even further from that. I don't know what conference they would join after that. I mean, yeah. I know it's it's not very kind. It's not like teams just like go crazy in the conference adjustments and whatnot. But yeah, I, that's I think definitely, at some point Gonzaga's got to go somewhere. Yeah, it's definitely something to take into account. But that's going to do it for the East Region. Want to thank Nick and Squid for joining me for the east region breakdown i appreciate it fellas and we'll see you guys next time and finally we're gonna wrap things up here with the midwest region and to join me to help me break down the midwest region is none other than my father gary brown dad how we doing (laughs) ready to go all right let's get into it uh, so in, I want to start by asking you this question. I've been asking everyone else, uh, in your opinion, did the committee get the last four teams in and the first four teams out? Correct. Um, it, it's, it's strange this year, um, <clears throat> having Michigan state, uh, especially probably more so than anyone, but, uh, um, I, I think that's, that's a little weird and not having Duke in there. Um, uh, Why you gotta go bring that up? Man? <laughs> but it's just big name teams that are missing. So it's hard to really say, did they get it right or wrong? Um, but I, you know, based on the information that we have, I, I'd say overall, yes. I think Michigan state was playing much better at the end. So I think I probably would have had them in more so than a, a playing game. But 
because uh, I think they're gonna not to go out of bracket, but I think they're gonna surprise a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I I feel like they should have been one of those normal eleven seeds, like yeah. Syracuse was, it, or is rather. Um, I don't know why Syracuse is not in the first four. Uh, I would have had Michigan State above them, but. I don't get to choose the order of these things. I just get to deliberate on what I'm presented with. So, um, but I do agree. First four could be dangerous. So yeah. we'll, we'll yep. see. I, I think there'll be some, some good games early on because some of these uh, lesser known teams really didn't seem to have many COVID issues. Mm. So they've, they've gotten some, some good experience where others have had ups and downs. I agree. All right, so let's get into the Midwest region. Uh, the mm-hmm. top seed in this bracket group is the Illinois Fighting Illini. Their two seed is the Houston Cougars. Uh, so I believe those are the two favorites. I I don't know if you would agree with that, but in my eyes, they are certainly the two teams to beat in this region. Uh, Illinois has Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo. I talked about them ad nauseum last week when we were breaking down the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I think that's the best duo going in college basketball right now. Uh, Coburn averaged 20 and 10 while Desumu averaged 19, seven and six during the big 10 tournament and route to the fighting, the lion, uh, getting the auto bid and winning the big 10 tournament championship. Uh, they're seven and three against top 25 teams this year. That's super impressive and shows that they are legit, uh, as a title contender, and then for, for Houston, they're led by junior guard Quentin Grimes, who averaged 19 points and four rebounds uh, during the Cougars American Athletic Ch- Conference Tournament Championship run. Uh, I will say, however, Houston is relatively unproven against top-tier competition, having only played two tournament teams all season, that being Texas Tech and Wichita State. So, Dad, yeah. who, who are your favorites? I, I think... You, you, you stole a little of my thunder. Um, so some of this will absolutely tie in what you're saying. Uh, I, and, and this is a broader comment, not just in this region. Um, I, I really like Illinois. Um, uh, and I, I uh, their makeup, um, they have something that I'm a big fan of in basketball anyways, which I know you and Nick certainly know because I, I talked about it a lot. Um, you know, being around in the eighties, watching the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was probably more football than basketball. I mean, that was just physical basketball. Yes. And so what I like about Illinois is, is this, this, this big guy, Kofi, he's seven foot, 285 pounds, right? Big, so, strong I mean, boy, big, but, strong boy. But he's, I, I, I think agile may be too strong, but I watched him play against Michigan and I think I saw the Ohio State game, but what jumped out to me against Michigan, especially the last game where they beat him, um, and Michigan's got, uh, I can't remember his name. That the Hunter Dickinson. Big, yeah, very talented. And the guy was like a rag doll with Kofi. I mean, he just was a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can score. Yeah. Um, he, he was their leading scorer. Um, how many games? Uh, he was the leading scorer a couple of games this year. For five games, I think. Um, obviously, I is it Io DeSumio? 
Yeah, Io Dasunmu. Yeah, he's. I'll talk about him in a second. But um, Kofi is someone I'm a big fan of. I I, I would like to see him um, do well. I mean, 17 points per game in 2021, uh, and last year he had 13 points per game. That's that's not too bad. Just kind of coming on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 rebounds per game last year and this year. Um, I just, you know, again, he just seems very good around the basket. Um, and you just can't stop him. I saw two people try and move him and they couldn't move him. So he's pretty big and strong. I'm a, a big fan of, of the way he plays. Um, and then the guard is just, you know, this, this, this guy is, you know, one of the best in the country. Um, so, and the surrounding cast isn't bad. They, they've got a, uh, another guard. Uh, I don't have his name in front of me, but he, he led the team in scoring probably about six or seven games uh, during the season as well. So they're playing in a good conference. Um, they're playing strong. They're playing consistent. Um, without question, they're my favorite in this bracket um, and favorite to go pretty far uh, in the tournament itself. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Houston obviously had a great year. Um, and I think they, they've got you know, uh, talent and, and depth, and I think they've got some good speed. Um, I think they could be upset. I, I, what am I, not to jump too far ahead, but uh, I think they'll, they'll win the first round or so. Um, I'm intrigued by this uh, San Diego State Syracuse game. <laughs> um, you know, they, they both had, you know, up and down seasons, not terribly strong. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're capable of surprising. Um, and I, I think, I, I think one of those two, um, um, I don't think they'll upset Houston. I think that's going to happen a little later on, but um, I think Houston will make it, make it pretty far. The other game I'm excited about is Loyola, Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech. Georgia mm. Tech is, is playing extremely well. Um, um, and Loyola Chicago, I think that, I think they might be a, 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 a dark horse. I think they might uh, win a, a round or two um, in okay. here. They're, they're, they're young. Um, the only thing with these two teams is uh, experience um, in playing in important games. Georgia Tech certainly winning the Big East, right? ACC. ACC, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, no easy task. Again, it's a strange year. I think if it was a non-COVID year, I'm not sure that they would have. So that's why I'm not thinking that they're, they're really going to go too far, but I think that game itself is going to be pretty exciting to see. Um, but, you know, it, it, far and above Illinois, I think is just going to walk through here. Um, I, I think West Virginia is going to surprise some people and go a little bit further um, than, you know, maybe some expect uh, maybe an upset, uh, you know, if they get to play Houston, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Houston. Um, they obviously have a great coach. Um, they play, you know, some, some tough teams and some tough games. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of like how they might uh, progress in here, but again, by the time it gets to the, um, the regional final, I mean, uh, it would be stunning if somebody, uh, took down Illinois. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with with all you've said about Illinois. I, I've been hyping them up 
uh, ever since they've kind of gone into that late season hot stretch going into the Big Ten tournament. They sealed the deal there, uh, and they solidified a number one seed. They're, they're clicking on all cylinders. The only thing I will say about Kofi, your big man, uh, is he's just got to stay out of foul trouble. That's his only yep. issue that he really has to worry about. But if he if he stays out of foul trouble, he is a force to be reckoned with for sure. Uh, you kind of got into it a little bit and teased a, a potential dark horse you might have. Uh, so let's get into our dark horses for this region. Uh, so you're, you're thinking Loyola Chicago might have a little bit longer of a stay than... Well, so I think early on, um, you know, I, it would not surprise me if Loyola Chicago beat Georgia Tech. And, um, you know, I don't know that they'll go far. Um, you know, the, those, those, you know, those Cinderella stories certainly happen. And, you know, to me, that's one of the best things about this whole tournament is when you see that, because, you know, those teams, you watch those kids, they're just playing their hearts out. Um, they're excited, genuine. Uh, it's just, it's just, that's why this is one of the best experiences there is. Um, so, you know, if they can, you know, keep themselves focused and not get overly excited and nervous and anxious and all that stuff, then, you know, they're talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that game. San Diego state might be a sleeper. Um, you know, again, they're up and down, but you know, they've got a, a very strong defense, um, little to no turnovers. Um, and, you know, I, they've got a history of coming back in games. So they get down, um, you know, they don't panic and, and whatnot. So, you know, I think those might, it's hard to call West Virginia a dark horse. Um, I I would, they're a three seed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, so early on, those teams will be the dark horses later on, as you get more towards the regional finals, you know, maybe, you know, West Virginia is more of a surprise with, um, how far they go with uh, beating, you know, a Houston or Illinois, but sure. Uh, but I do. Yeah, say, so I think San Diego state and um, either Loyola, Chicago or Georgia tech, I think would be my dark horses. I gotta say though, you're hyping up Illinois with me. And yet you think the eight, nine winner has a shot of taking them down. No, 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 no. Dark, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be my definition of a dark horse is taking down Illinois down. To me, in this region, a dark horse is, you know, getting to to the regional final or semifinal. Well, yes, and to to do that, Loyola Chicago or Georgia Tech would uh, have uh, to yeah. beat Illinois in the second round to get to the Sweet Sixteen. So I, I'm just trying to wrap my my brain around yeah. you. You're saying Illinois on one hand is going to go to the end. You'd have a hard yeah. time seeing anyone beat them, but then you're like, oh, dark horse, Loyola Chicago or well, Georgia Tech. Like the San Diego State one, I really like. Yeah, with they're, they're down the other end of the bracket. Yes, uh, but the Loyola Chicago one, uh, they've been there and they've done that. They did that a couple of years ago, remember. Um, and this Georgia Tech team is scrappy. That's that's how they ended up winning that auto bid in the ACC. Uh, I, there's a player to watch that I'm going to mention in a little bit. Um, yeah. We'll get into that in just a second. But my dark horse in this region would be the 12th seed, the Oregon State Beavers. They were picked to finish dead last in the Pac-12 coming into this season. And all they did was get the five seed in the conference tournament and win the whole dang thing. And steal, in, in route, steal a bid from a potential bubble team. 
they are firing on all cylinders at the right time. And it's also interesting, I'm going to throw this out here. It's interesting to note that the Pac-12 tournament winner has won multiple NCAA tournament games in six of the past seven seasons. So all I'm trying to say here is don't be surprised if Oregon State stays hot this weekend and makes a little bit of a surprise run more than just getting to the dance. They make some noise here. Don't be surprised if you see well in the Sweet 16. You heard it here first. I am am not a fan of the (laughs) Pac-12. I just think it's a fake conference in every sport. Um, They're just... They're wannabes. I'm not even sure they should be sort of in the, the power group, but um, so I, I, yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe that's not completely fair because we don't get to see as many of their games given the time difference, but oh, still Bill Walton broadcasts are worth staying uh, for. Some I, people I, say they're too much, but I say, no, <laughs> no, sir. Walton is pure entertainment on his own. I'd watch, I'd watch a pack 12 game just to listen to Walton. Exactly. <laughs> um, but let's get into some potential upsets. You kind of alluded to a few that you might be watching. Uh, obviously, yep. uh, those might include our dark horses. So I obviously like Oregon State over Tennessee as a 12 over a 5, classic 12-5 upset. Uh, I also like Rutgers over Clemson. Yep. It's not much of an upset, but Rutgers yep. is a lot more battle-tested then Clemson. Sure, Rutgers did not fare well in those uh, battles per se. Uh, a 10 and 10 conference record, uh, not great. Uh, one and seven against ranked teams, not a good look. But you go against, you're going against a team in Clemson that lost in the first round of the ACC tournament, their ACC opener to a 13 seeded Miami team, I think. And barely is outscore is only outscoring their opponents by three points a game on the season. That that's not really impressive to me. They've only played three ranked teams all season. Uh, Rutgers is more battle tested. I, I I would like Rutgers in this matchup. Well, <laughs> I could show you my paper just so you think it's true. But uh, the really only potential upside I had was Rutgers over Clemson. Oh, jeez. Um, and so maybe some other logic to differentiate, uh, but yeah, it, you know, Rutgers has, um, you know, maybe some struggles with consistency for sure. Um, you know, one of the interesting thing is is the Big Ten teams have been in 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 Indy. Yes. So Rutgers is just going to stay there. Um, so you know, maybe that's a. I don't think that's a huge effect, but you know, the big 10 teams that are in the tournament are just going to stay in Indy. And so they'll have some familiarity. Um, you know, they're obviously inconsistent Clemson as well, but, um, I, I, you know, I, it, it was a struggle to call that even an upset. I think like you said too, but yeah, um, it's, it's more so a, a, an upset just on seeding terms. Yeah. Yeah. But I expect Rutgers to actually beat them. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into a couple of the players that we're looking to watch for in this region. We've kind of alluded to a few, but a couple that we haven't uh, would be one, Cade Cunningham, the electric freshman from Oklahoma State, the five-seeded Cowboys. Uh, Cade Cunningham is the projected 
number one pick in the upcoming NBA draft. He leads his team in all major categories. Uh, there's not a lot to be said about him that hasn't already been said. Uh, so if you don't know, just go watch a hype video on him, a highlight video mixtape. You'll, you'll get the picture pretty quickly. And two other names that I want to throw out before I toss it back to you, dad, is the guard from Georgia Tech, Jose Alvarado. That's the, the guard I was alluding to. He, he is killer on the defensive end. He averages three steals a game as a six foot guard and he has seven games this year with five or more steals. That's incredible in my eyes doing that in a power conference. You can, uh, uh, you can say the ACC had a down year, but in my, I seven games of five steals is tremendous, no matter how you slice it. And then also another ACC team, uh, buddy Boheim, uh, coach Boheim's son uh, is just been phenomenal for this the orange and is really the only reason why the orange have are in position that they are in and just squeezing into the tournament he's shot 55 percent from three in the acc tournament so he is clicking on all cylinders coming into the ncaa's uh, i i think uh, i saw your your eyes rolling because i saw a, f- a few more of your 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 picks and players, but uh, please. Well, and so I, I had, uh, th- there were three and, and, you know, I, I probably should have thought about a little bit more because, um, you know, I, th- there's a couple kids in Loyola, Chicago, and I just don't have their names, but um, th- they're just, um, you know, they're kind of the run and gun. They, they, they can hit threes from anywhere. And that's what I think makes them exciting. But, you know, my players that I, you know, focused on most was, um, uh, obviously the, the two from Illinois, IO and Kofi, um, I, I just, you know, I, I think they're dominant. I mean, their, their, their stats, their competition, um, uh, is, you know, I, I think they're the best, um, whether that qualifies as players to watch, you know, it's probably more, you know, someone you may not expect that you should focus on. I, I did have, um, the, the kid from Georgia tech, um, yeah as well because yeah i watched uh, a good amount of the big east tournament and, and the acc tournament um and uh, just because i hadn't seen a lot of, uh, of their games during the season and georgia tech as a team really impressed me but that kid um i think he's going to make it in the nba i really do um i, I agree I, I think he has you know obviously a lot of these kids have you know the the, the physical skills um but i think he's got sort of the mental skills georgia tech's been struggling for years um but i I think you know he's been a big part of why they are where they are and um that's why i think you know i I wish georgia tech wasn't where they are (laughs) illinois because um and again not to talk about another team in another region but you know georgetown is someone that i i've been watching recently and while i've had you know, struggles a lot during the year. Um, they're playing really well now. And the, the way they they dominated um, in, in their conference tournament, um, they made Creighton look like they were, you know, just a Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a um, good way to put it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I think those are the three that uh, I think would be my tops. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, so let's move on to a double digit seed that you think is capable or going to make a sweet 16 run. I'll let you start. Uh, well, in this region, I just, it's tough. Um, I'd have to give it to, you know, of all of them, Syracuse, maybe just because, you know, the, the depth, uh, the, the, uh, experience that Beheim brings to them, you know, I mean, he, he, he could coach in, in the tournament, you know, with his eyes closed, given his experience and the talent that he's had in the past. So I, I think they'd be my, my top double seed. Uh, Rucker is obviously a 10 seed. I've, you know, I don't know that they're going to go terribly far. Um, but in that bottom part of the bracket, uh, I think that, that that's really the only chance, right? So you got to look at Syracuse and and um, and maybe Rutgers. Uh, the, the other seeds just, you know, they're too far away in, in talent and skill. I, I think there's other, uh, you know, Georgetown, not to, again, cross brackets, but Georgetown, um, I think, and I would really like to see them, you know, win a couple of rounds. Um, if they can stay hot, um, you, I think they'll do anything for Patrick Ewing. Um, mm -hmm. they, he's got that team, um, you know, no mental problems, you know, none of that. They're focused. Um, they're on a roll. And, and I think one of the biggest things when you come into tournaments is what have you done lately? And teams that are playing well, they're hot, they're cohesive, they have good coaching. Those are the ones I think they have the best chance of for surprises. But again, in the Midwest, um, if any any double digit seed is going to surprise it's it's probably going to be Syracuse. Yeah, I I disagree and I'm going back to my dark horse pick of, of Oregon State. I think that it would it it would take a lot because asking asking that team to beat both Tennessee and probably Oklahoma State, that's a that's a tough ask. But if anyone's going to do it, I think they've got the potential the way they are shooting the ball, especially from three-point land of late. Uh, just their offense is clicking, firing on all cylinders, like I was saying before. This, I think that's your best shot. I just I don't think Syracuse has the firepower to take down both a San Diego State and a West Virginia team. And yeah. – even though we both like Rutgers to win their first round game, I don't think they stand a chance against Houston. Um, I would agree. So that kind of does it for me. Could I, I just think, I think Oklahoma state is, is going to be much stronger than Oregon state though. Yeah. And I, I can totally you know where Marcus smart went. I, 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 I do. He went to Oklahoma did Marcus state. Smart go to Oklahoma state. He did. He did. Yeah. So I thought. <laughs> I thought you were you were messing with me there for a second, not actually oh, no. asking me it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, I I agree. Uh, Oklahoma State is a is a is a good pick to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. I just if we're talking double digit seeds with the best chance, yeah. I yeah. think Oregon State would be that because Oklahoma State, as well as they have played during during the second half of the season, with the stars studded talent they have at the top of their roster i do think they're not unbeatable um and that we've seen that before uh and so if if there's any double digit seed ride the hot hand ride the oregon state beavers um, i think it's my conference bias that prevents me from <laughs> <laughs> so be it 
Yeah. Let's get into our elite eight picks for this region. Uh, it sounds like we're both going to have Illinois in this, in this elite eight matchup. Uh, who do you have them flight uh, facing and who do you have advancing to the final four? Yeah. So for my elite eight uh, coming out of uh, the Midwest, it, it's obviously Illinois. Um, I, I think Houston um, is, is likely to be that, I, you know, I still wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia beat them. Um, in fact, in one of my pools, I did take West Virginia, but I mean, Houston's been pretty consistent all year. So uh, unless, you know, something disrupts them, you know, they should be it from the Midwest. Um, from the South, um, you know, I, I've got Baylor um, in Ohio State coming out of there. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of upset potential. Texas Tech uh, might be a surprise there. And, and Arkansas, um, you know, having a kind of a breakout year for them. They, and they've been very consistent. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, th they wouldn't be surprised me. That's a, to be honest, I, I love the South. I think there's going to be some great games coming out of there. But I think um, Baylor and, and Ohio State will will represent in the Elite Eight. Um, hold on for as we get further along of maybe a little surprise uh, going further. Um, in the West, you know, it, it's Gonzaga. I don't, you know, I don't think there's a remote chance unless COVID <laughs> gets them that uh, they're not going to make it all the way to the Final Four and or championship game. Um, I like Iowa also in the West. Um, um, Virginia is sneaky too. Um, and obviously they've, they've got strong coaching. Um, can't, uh, some might say, what about Kansas? Um, I thought I, I heard that um, they've got some COVID issues right now. Yeah. Both Kansas and Virginia had to withdraw from their conference tournaments due to COVID, yeah. uh, yeah. COVID positive tests in the program. Yeah. I know Kansas has at least three players that won't be in Indianapolis, uh, right away so they're probably out for at least a game yeah and and, and that's why i'm not uh, you know I, i'm not going to take them uh, for elite eight um i i think if they were healthy um i, I probably would but i'm, I'm going to go with iowa and gonzaga in the west um and then in the east um this one this one's this is another uh, region i really like and i can't wait to watch the games um uh, I'm going to take, um, uh, coming out of there, Texas and Alabama. Um, I know Mi Michigan's the number one seed, but I really think Michigan is ripe for an upset. Um, obviously not in the first round. Um, but I think LSU could, um, and then, you know, I know they, they'd line up against Georgetown, which I'm, I'm taking to, um, surprise, especially as a number one seed, but, um, I'm going to go with Texas and Alabama um, to round out the Elite Eight. Uh, well, Texas and Alabama would face each other in the Sweet 16. Uh, so they couldn't oh. play each other in the Elite Eight. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news there. That is correct. That's a, uh, that is a tough scene, sir, uh, um, as, as the boys would say. Um, so uh, – who did you have winning that, that Texas Alabama matchup going to the late eight? Uh, I have Alabama. 
Okay. So who would you have? I presume you would have Alabama winning because I-, I assume you've got Michigan going down sooner rather than later. My final four will be um, Gonzaga, Alabama, Ohio State, beating Baylor, um, and Illinois. Okay. Uh, so you didn't really answer the question. I, I appreciate you getting oh. to your final four, but who, who is Alabama facing in the Elite Eight? Uh, Alabama is facing Michigan. Okay, so you do have Michigan getting to the Elite Eight, but yeah. that's where the, the yeah. end of the road is for them. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. to summarize, your final four is Gonzaga, Alabama, Ohio State, and Illinois. Is that correct? That is correct. God, we've got the same final four. However, in this, uh, for the Elite Eight in this region, the Midwest, I have Illinois beating San Diego State. I think San Diego State is going to take down both West Virginia and Houston. And this, my doctor. Yes, sir. I do believe that. I think they've got an Elite Eight run in them. But I think at the end of the day, they're not going to be able to take down all three of the top seeds. No. Uh, uh, and, I, and I think if Illinois, you know, again, con- continues to play, you know, they don't get injured, there's no other issues, they're, they're just hard to beat. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've got all the things. They've got two good, quick guards that can play defense, and then they've got the beast in the middle. But, yeah. You know, you're not going to get anything down low down there. Yep. So now we're moving on to our final four picks. You've kind of gotten a little bit of a head start, but I'll let you uh, reiterate. Yeah. So Gonzaga, Alabama, Illinois, and Ohio State for the final four. Um, yeah. I, it, Baylor's just seems to be primed to, to be upset. Um, they've had some close games of late. Um, and I, I just think they don't have, I think, the, the pedigree and the experience going deep in the tournament um, that I, I think, you know, as you get further down the road, I think kids get a little more nervous and anxious and, um, you know, Ohio state is, um, they've been there, done that. So I feel more comfortable with them They're playing well too. All right. So who do you have winning those two final four games and then give me your national champion. I have Illinois um, uh, uh, beating Ohio State. Um, a rematch, Zags, rematch from the Big Ten championship game. Yep. Um, and then the Zags. Um, I think the Alabama run comes to an end. Uh, again, I, I've watched them a lot during the year. They're they're fun to watch. Um, they've been very consistent um, um, yep. throughout the season. So. Um, you know, I think that's good for the program too. <laughs> I, I saw some signs that uh, at some of the games when they started allowing fans, it says, um, uh, we're a basketball school. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're Take obviously you. football one, but uh, looks, oh, if, if they make well, a final, if they make a final four run, run, they'll, they might start talking about, this is a basketball school now too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are, these are, uh, kids holding signs and I think they're just trying to take a shot at the football team of course um but um yeah the Z- the Zags just I mean they, they've they've got pretty much everything um experience coaching talent um the mental side of the game um you know it it, it, it 
it would be stunning if they didn't make it um, uh, all the way. So uh, Zags in Illinois in the championship game. All right. I, I hate to agree, but I have to. That's who I've got in the title game too. I, I think the pressure is going to start to mount on Gonzaga being undefeated. They have the starting five, probably the best starting five in the country, and it's no surprise to see them be the last undefeated standing. And it would be no surprise to see them in the national title game with the amount of talent they have. That seven-man rotation is just outstanding. But I do think the pressure is going to start to mount once they get towards the Final Four. You get to the Elite Eight Final Four, that pressure is going to start to really mount on – them when you're you're playing with with history in an undefeated season uh, it does but i think the coaching will uh, i mean that uh, his name escapes me at the moment but i believe it's mark he, few yeah, that sounds right he he's just he keeps these kids focused um they don't stray mentally so um and, and that's critical as you're getting into that stage yeah. all right so uh let's give our championship picks uh i'm gonna go first yep i think the pressure gets to gonzaga they fall short in yet another championship game i think it's just gonna be too much weight to and pressure to handle in illinois i i've been singing their praises i really think this is a fighting Illini team that can win a championship and for that reason i'm going with the fighting Illini to top the Gonzaga Bulldogs in this year's championship game. As the coach would say, not so fast. Um, so, I, so here's my opinion. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you who I think will win and who I want to win because they're not the same. Okay. Um, I think the Zags will win but I want Illinois to win. So you think that um, the Zags are going to run the, 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 the whole gauntlet, go undefeated? I do. Oh, man. I do. I, I just think, you know, I, while Illinois, those two players are probably two of the better ones in the country, um, I, I think what you said, you know, the depth um, that the Zags have um, – and the completeness uh, at all positions that, you know, even if, um, you know, Kofi is, is dominating, I mean, he, he can't dominate five guys. Um, and the same with, um, with Io. Uh, you know, they can do a lot of damage, um, but when you've got five to seven strong, capable people that you can just keep moving in and out, um, you know, it, it's it's hard. I, I think, you know, Illinois may keep – it'll be a close game because um, my score that I'm predicting is 87-82 Zags. Um, but I think the Zags just wear them down. Um, mm. And to your earlier point, if um, Kofi gets in foul trouble mm. – Yeah, that makes it – that's going to make so it that, that might be the strategy, right? Because, again, the, the Zags are smart. Um, of course, is, is if they can get him in foul trouble, um, the sooner the better. And he's not on the court. Ugh, that's that, that's that's going to be tough. But I, I, I'm rooting for. Him. 
let's just say that. Gotcha. But uh, any final notes on this this region and the the tournament as a whole? Um, well, I, I'm just you know it's it obviously been a crazy year, but I, I just think there's there's countless games. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, some really good matchups. I think I think the craziness this year has um, leveled the playing field a little bit, right? I mean, you know, there, there's some big name teams. I'm not naming them um, that that either aren't in the tournament or are you know lower seeds than they probably ever been. Um, and so, you know, you look at some of these names. You know, Louisville. They're not there. Uh, Kentucky. They're not there. Duke. I yes, mean, they're not there. What is? How does that happen? Um, so you, you got to chalk that up, I think, a little bit to you know what's been going on with COVID this year. So you know those teams are going to be back next year. Um, but what it does, I think, is just levels the playing field a bit. And so uh, even though the Zags and and the Illini, I think, you know, are, are too strong. I think the rest of the games are just going to be fantastic to watch. I can't wait to see them. Awesome. So with that said, I think it's time to wrap it up here. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe the show. We're on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can like and subscribe us both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So whichever one you use for your podcasts, we're on both. Uh, make sure you check out not only us, but you check out the Cool Zone Pod with Nick and Jonathan. You check out the Foxborough Files if they ever resurface with uh, Dan Roach, Zach, and Mike. And, of course, the Mouth and Off Pod with the originals. Uh, but for Gary Brown, for Nick Brown, for Dan, Sadik, Squid, Jonathan, and Mike, I'm Ryan Brown. We'll see you next week.